Good morning. I'll say, I'll say it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and again, the Chodesh to everybody. Great to see you. Nachas and Bracha, Lachal Yisra. And I would make a little special mention. Today is my 60th birthday, Alice Tamus. So nice to share a main simcha with you. Amen. Uh, Amen. Halfway there. And uh, I hope to uh, uh, continue to share Torah together with you. And we should all see good things. Bracha, Vatzlacha, Nachas, Bechol Maase, Adenu, Lanu, Ulechal Yisrael. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to be on the side of the page uh, where there's a, a check on the letter Zion. On the letter Zion. Now the uh, it's about toward the bottom on the right side of the page. Vayidaber o Korach Boker. So after Korach begins his protest and his rebellion, so Moshe Rabbeinu says to him, Boker in the morning, Vayodas Hashem es Asher lo. Hashem will make known that which is His. And then he also says, V'yes ha-kadosh and that which is holy, and bring it close to him. So the Midrash asks the question, Ma ra'a lomar boker? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu say boker? Tomorrow morning we will take care of this. Why not right now? Why wait? What's this boker? So the Midrash answers, Omar Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu said, he says, maybe they got out of hand because they did a lot of eating and drinking and they had a suda. So they're just speaking out of this. They just finished, you know, self-indulgence, so they're just out of hand. Now, what is he referring to? The Midrash says earlier that Korach had made a big su'uda for all the people. A big party, a big mesiba. And Meforshim say, for what purpose? Because we all know that when you want to draw somebody near to the way you want to do things, what do you do? You give them food. Make a party, serve them a meal. It creates a certain closeness between people when you do that. So Korach was a smart person and he makes a big suuda, a suuda gadola for all the people that he hopes to persuade to come onto his side. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, they're just saying these things perhaps because they're in the middle of a party. Things just got a little too wild. So let's wait till tomorrow morning. Boker! And things will calm down and they'll regain their senses and their perspective and everything will be okay. He's judging them the kasuchus. Omar, and then he says, Shema ben kachu ben kach yasu teshuva. Maybe in the meantime, they'll do tshuva. So let's wait until tomorrow morning. Boker, we don't have to handle this right now. He's hoping that overnight they'll do tshuva. And I'm sure you know him. It's brought down. Moshe Rabbeinu davened all night for Korach v'adasa, that they should do tshuva. You see the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Somebody out to rebel against him, overthrow him. So what does he do? He davens all night long that they'll do tshuva. The greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Lekach Nemar, 
Therefore, he says, Boker v'yoda Hashem. In the morning, Hashem will make it known what's what, who's who, who has what job. Omar Lohan, he says something else as well. We also see Moshe Rabbeinu's humility. He says, you know, I, I also can't really approach Hashem right now. Yeah, it's true Hashem never eats and drinks. So it's never a bad time for Hashem. He's never involved with something. But it's because of us. Because we ate and we drank. So in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu is now including himself. And he says to Korach, you know, I also ate and drank a little bit. I had some food to eat and didn't drink recently. I'm, I'm a mortal person. Hashem doesn't eat and, and he doesn't drink, but, but I do. So let's wait till the morning, till a better time. doesn't mean Moshe was part of Korach's party. I'm not referring to that. But he's saying, I'm human too. I also ate. I also drank. Let's wait till tomorrow morning and then I'll be in a, you might say, more uh, exalted state and I'll approach Hashem. Okay, so that's the first way of looking at what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing. Maybe they'll do tshuva. Maybe their senses will return to them. And also in a certain, in an act of humility, kind of including himself with them. Now that's one pshat. Dover Acher. Another pshat as to why Moshe Rabbeinu said... Boker, let's wait till the morning. You know, I'm sorry, just before we do that, um, move over to the left side of the page where it says number two. Ma'ro'a lomar boker. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu say, let's settle this in the morning? Kimitoch hisachro nishazek daita meliban. The commentary here says it was through the delay that they actually dug in more. So Moshe Rabbeinu is hoping that they're going to do tshuva, but Lamaisa, we see what happened. The next morning, they were even further entrenched into their rebellion. And Rashi brings down from the Chachamim that Korach is up all night long doing what? Not like Moshe Rabbeinu davening, rabble-rousing. The whole night, he did not go to sleep that night, the Midra says. He's just gathering more and more support for the rebellion against Moshe and Aaron. So that's what Moshe is doing all night. That's what Korach's doing all night. So why did Moshe give them to the morning? Lemaisa, you know, it just strengthened their position. Umafarish, so it explains, Shedima lehepech, Ula mitoch meichel umishteh Moshe Rabbeinu was thinking really the other way around, maybe because of their big party that Korach threw for them, that they just got a little too much of themselves. Zochadaitam, a little too much um, with oneself. Exuberance. Ukor boker yeshuvu midaitam. In the morning return, they'll regain their senses. Umibnei rov ha'anova kol gam atzmo b'socham. And then, because of his great humility, he includes himself with them that he also can't really go talk to Hashem now. He also did some eating and drinking like any human being would do. So it's not the right time for him to go ask Hashem for something new. I thought it just elaborates a little more. And you know, it, I think it's such an, such an important lesson because 
we have a certain way of thinking. So you think that, yeah, maybe they'll have a change of heart and maybe they'll do tshuva. And lehefech, they dig themselves further into their hole because people think the way they think. But nonetheless, I'm quite sure that Moshe Rabbeinu understood Korach very, very well and what he was about. He still gave him a chance. And so let's say that was one of us. We, we might say, we're not going to wait till morning. He'll gather another couple hundred people for him. Do it now. They'll take care of it now. That's probably what we would say. And indeed, he does become more entrenched in his machlokas. Moshe Rabbeinu, that's not how he looks at it. He's a person. He's a Jew. He could change. Maybe they'll do tshuva. Maybe they'll come around. Just another glimpse at the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then you see the contrast of two people, how they spend their time, how they look at the world, how they look at themselves. Okay, that's the first part. Now the second part is a very different idea, a new idea to me. And it goes as follows, back in the Midrash, Dover Acher. So again, we're in letter Zion, and four lines into it. Another pshad as to why Moshe Rabbeinu said that word, Boker, in the morning. Amar Lehem Moshe. Moshe said to Korach and his group, Guvulos Chalak HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem made different categories, divisions, groups in his world. Different groupings of things. Yecholim atem la'arev yom So he's hinting to Korach. Could you take night and day, which are two very different and distinct areas, can you mix them up together? No. Night is night and day is day. As it says at the very beginning of the Torah, It was night and it was day. And Hashem divided between light and darkness. So why did Hashem make night and day and different categories of things? Because that is in the best possible service of the world. It wouldn't be good if day and night, if light and dark were all mixed up together. You need to have light and you need to have darkness. Two different gavulim. And just as Hashem divided and made a distinction between light and darkness, for the sake of the world, so too Hashem made another distinction between Klal Yisroel and the Umos HaOlam. Shenemar, as it says, as it says in Vayikra, I have separated you from amongst the nations to be unto me. Those are the Umos HaOlam, and this is us, and we don't mix those two categories together. The Kachivdil Aharon, then Moshe Rabbeinu continues, and so too he separated Aaron and the Kohanim from the rest of the people. They're the Kohanim, they're the Levim, they're the Yisraelim. Shinemar, as it says in Bibra Hayamim, Vayavdel Aaron, Lahakdisho, Bekodesh Kadashim, and he separated Aaron to make him holy in the holy of holies. So the word Boker, Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, mourning. 
When the night passes, it will be morning. That's night and this is day. Those are the Umos Ha'olam. These are the Jews. Those are the Kohanim and those are the Yisraelim. Everybody needs to be in the right place for the benefit of the world. It's not good to confuse and mix up groups like that. So he's saying to Korach, if you can do something about this distinction between day and night and change reality around and create a different universe, then go ahead and then you can take care of this distinction between Aaron and the Kohanim and the rest of Israel. If you think it should all just come together, then First try it in the universe, and then try it amongst B'nai Yisrael. In other words, it's out of your hand. This is Hashem's doing. L'kach Omar lohem. So therefore he said to them, Boker v'yodah es Hashem es Hashem lo, v'yes ha-kadosh v'hikriv elav. In the morning, Hashem will make it known, that which is His and that which is holy, and He has drawn it near to Him, and Hashem has already fixed the world and made it this way. You're, you're tampering with the structure of the universe, Korach. Don't you understand? It can't be confused. It's to nobody's benefit. The one Hashem brings near to him, so too he draws close to him. Now, just take a look at number one on the top left of the page from the Radal. Is a little more uh, insight into this. One, two, three lines down. So at the top of the page, left side, Radal. Bishvil Tashmisho Shel Olam. Why did Hashem make these disting- dis- distinctions? For the sake of the world, for the importance of the world, the benefit. If light and darkness were serving in, in tandem, Lohoya Neheneha Olam Bishimushan. You can never really get benefit from either. It's this in-between, mixed up, you might say, it's like a cloudy day. It's light and it's dark. And then there's, the sun shines and it's bright and that's beautiful. And then it's dark and that also has its own majesty and mystery. So too he divided the Jews from the Umo Sa'olam and the Kohanim from the Israelim and it's through the Havdalah that's where everybody can do their own thing to be omed in the Kedusha of what they do and the Kohanim can be open to serve Hashem because the Yisraelim and the Levim are doing their jobs everybody does their job and you put it all together and it makes for a beautiful world now we all know Korach says to Moshe, Kol ha'eda kulam kedoshim, everybody's holy. Now the thing is, that's true. What Korach said is true. Kol ha'eda kulam kedoshim. No one's going to deny that. However, then he said, ki sistorer leinu gam historer, and who made you the ruler over us? That's really what's bothering Korach. Enochinam, everybody's holy. You're holy as a Kohen. You're holy as a Levi. You're holy as a, as a, as a Yisrael. You're holy as a man. You're holy as a woman. Yes, kol ha'eda kulam kedoshim, but there's night and there's day. And everybody has their own particular place to be. This is where Korach got very confused and self-involved. 
It's very, very pertinent to us nowadays because although democracy has many great advantages and will take it any day over a cruel dictatorship, any day with the, uh, the kindness and the freedoms we are afforded as Jews, but the, the, the challenging side of democracy is kol ha'edo kulam kadoshi. That there's the sameness that's created amongst people and people forget distinctions, divisions, categories, and that leads to a lot of confusion. Anything goes and anything is right. It's a slippery slope. Revison, yeah, please, you had a comment before? I was saying that Beaucaire, that it's, you know, like when someone really shows the colors, it makes it easier to, like, know that that's... When they show who they are. Mm-hmm. So he also allowed for the distinction to be very clear in terms of who Korah was, because he didn't do tshuva all, you know, and it, if he would have done it immediately, then, you know, maybe there's that nagging feeling. Maybe he, you know, just had a bad day, maybe he would have come around, but here it's very clear and distinct. That Korach overnight really showed his colors come morning, and that happens too. You know, people get involved, and they play it out, and they really, st- people go, whoa, I didn't realize he was that, you know, or she was that, and it comes out to us. Yeah, very good point. Any other comments? Yeah, Dory, please. It's just amazing to me how Moshe Rabbeinu, it doesn't matter how the Averos, here Korach is really about to do something major. And, right. and for us, he's always, always has faith in us. He does. Always has faith in us. faith in Klai Yisrael, faith in the Jewish people, davening, they'll do tshuva, just give them a little time. That's a, a real Jewish leader, the ultimate leader, Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah, Yeah. No, this is where it comes out. He's mentioned before in the That's what it seems like. No, no, I don't think you missed anything. Korach is mentioned when it talks about the birth order of the the Shevet Levi and he's where he's identified there. But Vayikach Korach is the first time that we get this new insight into him and as many of the uh, commentaries point out, Vayika, it was about taking. That first word, the Torah is in its language, that with Korach, it was about Vayika, he was out for himself. And that's how the Torah introduces him to us at this point, and it all goes downhill for them at this point. And we have to remember, you know, we are, we have the gift of hindsight and the gift of the clarity of the Torah. If we were alive during that period of time, I am quite sure that Korach's arguments were very convincing. He was a great man. He had Ruach HaKodesh. Yeah, sure. Ruach HaKodesh, and he, and he still makes this incredible mistake. Right, so there's a story, it's an unusual story. Uh, the Apta Rav, one of the great Sadiqim in the uh, 1800s, Rav Mishul Heschel of Apta, so he used to daven on Yom Kippur, and when he would come to the Avodah, the Kohen Gadol, instead of saying, Ka this is how the Kohen Gadol used to count with the sprinkling of the, of the blood, he used to say, Ka This is how I used to count. So people asked him afterwards, why does the Rebbe say that? He says, I remember I was a Kohen Gadol. And I used to sprinkle the blood. So I say, Ka That's how I used to count. So they said to him, do you remember being at Harsina? He said, yes. He said, do you remember the rebellion of Korach? 
He said, yes, I remember. They said, which side were you on? <laughs> Hasidim are challenging sometimes. So, Korach, so the Abdurav answered, many great people were with Korach. That was his answer. Didn't answer directly. So we get that the idea was not so simple. It was 250 great men that were with him. They were leaders of the call and how subtle these things are and to be in the moment and to know, you know, what's what. I'm sure it was not easy. And Baruch Hashem, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu prevails and Klai Yisrael prevails. But we have the gift of hindsight. And I think one lesson we can glean from this, of many, is that when you notice self-involvement, then you can make sure that something's wrong. When someone is involved in something and you see that they're doing it in a pure-hearted way, then that usually is a very good thing. But when you, when you get that hargrasha, that there's something more going on here than the agenda that they're advancing, and it really has to do with themselves, that is, is most often an indicator that something's off here. And it's a good lesson for us to, you know, to take into our own lives and community lives too. Okay, yes, please, Elka. Okay. Okay. Yes, please, Elka. Okay. Okay. Own Ben Pellis. We're about to learn that. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, let's wait, because we're going to do that. I had to learn that because it's about a righteous woman. And I had to, the, the last year of the semester, and Own Ben Pellis' wife, who saves him, I, I just had to do this. So I wanted to do the first one because I found that idea so fascinating about Boker and the distinctions and how relevant it is. And if you turn over the page, this is a midrash that a lot of you have probably already heard. It's famous. But it's always good to go into it and try and pull out a little bit more from it. So on the next page, where it says, letter Chut, where the big check is, Va'on ben Peles. So the Midrash asks, Lama Nikra Shemo On. Why is his name On? Because the name of somebody in the Torah often reflects something about their character. So the Midrash answers, Shokol Yamav Ba'aninus. He spent the rest of his days in mourning. And he was grieving the rest of his life. Now just take a little trip, trip up on the commentary side where it says number one on the left side of the page about a third of the way down it's in a margin there and it says Lama Nikra Shemo On why is his name called On? so the, the Peru says I'm, I'm right here on the page right here where my finger is Lama Nikra Shemo On Tanchuma Kan Simentes the Midrash Tanchuma also talks about this the Iker Hadiktuk so what is, why is the Midrash t- paying attention to his name, Davka? There were other people involved as well. Why not their names? Because he's never mentioned again. Right here at the beginning of the Parsha, On Ben Pelas is counted amongst Korach and his people. Whereas Korach, Dasan, and Aviram and the 250 great people, Nizkaru, Kama, Pamim, Beparsha, they were mentioned many times over the course of this parsha. So it must be a drasha that first he was there and then he wasn't. He appeared at the beginning and then he escaped. 
Umrumas bishmo al pimidas mimal, as his name hints to, as it comes from above, that we know he, he was saved. So that's one thing that's happening here. And then, shokol yamav ba'aninus, if you go down to the bottom of the page, where there's a, a, a number one about an inch up on the right side, and it says there in the Matnos Kahuna, Ba'aninus, what was he mourning about? Misabel al Shahoya Techila Imohem Ba'etza. He spent his days mourning that, you know what, look what I almost did. I almost rebelled against Moshe Rabbeinu. And I was involved with Korach and his face. This is Own Ben Pelis. So Own, the rest of his life, he's got a feeling of grief. Oh my gosh, what did I almost do? The Baruch Hashem, he was saved. Okay, now back to the Midrash. Ben Pelas. What's Ben Pelas mean? Ben Shana'asu Bo'upala'os. A son, meaning a Jewish man. Wondrous things were done for him. He was saved from this horrible rebellion. Amar Rav. Rav says, On Ben Pelas Ishto Hitzilaso. His wife saved him. Amrale. So she says to On, her husband. What difference does it make to you in this argument? What does it matter to you? If Aaron is the Kohen Gadol, then you're a disciple. If Korach is the Kohen Gadol, you're a disciple. In other words, it doesn't make any difference to you. You're not going to be the Kohen Gadol, she says to him. Someone else is. What's it, your affair? So, Amrala, Amrala, she says to him, no, I'm sorry, I'm going, to, I'm going to insert something there because there's another place this is mentioned in the Gemara. And On says to her at this point, it's not mentioned in our Midrash, I made a Shvua. He made an oath to Korach and his group that he's going to participate with them. So he, so he responded to his wife at this point, what can I do? I'm bound by a shvua. So now back to our Midrash. So she said to him, I know that this whole congregation is holy. What does that sound like? Korach. Those are pretty much his words. The words that he convinced them, Kola, Eda, Kulam, Kedoshim, so On Ben Pelis' wife says, yes, everybody amongst the Yidin are holy. Even Korach and his people are holy people. They're from, as we'll see in a minute, Dixiv Behu, as it says, Kikol Ha'eda Kulam Kedoshim. She quotes who? Korach. Everybody is holy. So I know that they're holy too. Ma'avadis. So what does she do? Ashkisei Chamra. She brings wine for her husband, On Ben Pelas, to drink, and she gets him drunk. And she lies him down to bed and says, Go to sleep, honey. Go take a big nap. That's not in the Midrash. <laughs> Just had to embellish a little bit. So he goes down and takes a nap and lies down. What happens? So everybody comes to get on Ben Pelas. So she sits right at the opening of the house, she and her daughter, 
and she uncovers her hair. She uncovers her hair. And what happens? Komandaasa, every time somebody comes from Korach's group to get own Ben Peles, come on, it's time to go rebel against Moshe. Bishvil On, Baala, they're coming to get On. Kevan de Chazia, Hodar. When they see, see her with her uncovered hair, they turn around. So they don't say, hey, you know what? I'm, re- I'm rebelling against Moshe Rabbeinu today, so I'm not going to be mocked on a woman with her uncovered hair. Like, get the split of the personality here. On the one hand, you're about to embark on rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. You'd think these people are apikorsim and they're meanim and they threw aside the Torah and the mitzvot and then they come to the opening of the gate and there's Oman Pelos' wife. Boom, they turn around. Can't see. These are from people. So she knows. And she stations herself there and everybody comes to get own and they leave because they're not going to go in with her hair uncovered. So in the meantime, Korach gets followed up by the earth. It's like, it's almost like, and while, while this is happening, what happens? The earth opens up and swallows up Korach. So Omen Pelis wakes up and says, okay, so what's happening? Can you imagine waking up at that point? What happened today? You know, he probably was the only one who missed the event. <laughs> so he wakes up and they're all dead. Chainu deceive, as it says, Chochmas Noshim Bansa Besa, the wisdom of women builds the home. Zu Ishto Shalom, this is On's wife. The Ivelis Biodeha Tehersenu, and she who has corrupt ways in her hands will, will corrupt her husband. Zu Ishto Shalkorach, that refers to the wife of Korach because the Gemara says that she actually egged him on. So as On Ben Pelis's wife got him out of trouble, Korach's wife help to get him in trouble and to egg him on to make more trouble. Now, let's look at it a little bit further. Take a look on the, on the side of the page where it says number three. And let's see where I want to go to here. Yeah, number three where it says, Kikol ha'eda kulam kedoshim. So everybody in Klai Yisrael is holy, it's Sinuim, and they are, they're all Tzniyistik, Velo Yikon Suelai, and they're not going to come into my house, Imani Ehya Peruas Rosh, if I have my hair uncovered, that comes from Rashi, from the Gomorrah. So what does she do? Ashkisei, Hishkuso Osoyayin Vihishkiraso, she brought him wine to drink, and she got him drunk, Vihishkivaso Vimitaso, and laid him down in his bed, Vyashonlo, and then he went to sleep. So if you think about it, why didn't she just say, go in the back room and lie down and take a nap. I'll take care of these guys. Why did she have to get him drunk? What was, why was that part of her plan? And it was very calculated. So he continues to say, So he wouldn't hear them if they called him from the outside. So she knows that once they get to the doorway, they're going to walk away. But maybe they'll go around the side and say, Hey, On, On Ben Pelis, they're not going to go over there. Time to rebel against Moshe Rabbeinu. So that could happen. Right? They're going to go to the side door, go to the back door. So she says, I got to get him drunk. So he will not, he'll be deaf to the world. So her cheshbon there 
was from either way. If they come to the front door, they're not going to come in. If they go to the side door, he won't hear them because he's drunk. So it's a wise woman. She knows how to make sure. And one more thing. What about the shavua that he made? So it's brought down and very close, closely connected to this, of course, that the shvuah was that I'm going to go with them if they call me. So as far as On was concerned, they didn't call him. They never got in the door, and he didn't hear him, so he is exempt from his shvuah as well. So she calculates everything, takes care of the whole thing on both sides. Rebison, you had a comment? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, what were you thinking? That she... Right. Because that's when she acts. When he says that, she doesn't have anything to say to him. Right. So seemingly she's doing something that she appreciates. Even if it's for a bad thing, she appreciates the shvur, the shvur. So she goes to work on how to unearth him from that. Right. She goes about it without having violated his shvur. Because at the moment they called him, he was truly unavailable. Not just like people say, sorry, I'm unavailable. He really was unavailable. And so, you know, fascinating thing here to me, in terms of avoiding sometimes certain nisyonos and takalos, take yourself out of the picture. Once you're in the picture and the people are there and you're going to be influenced, anybody's going to be influenced. If you can take yourself out of the picture, remove ourselves from the situation, that is often the best defense against something harmful that's about to go on. Because once you're involved and enticed, it's very hard to extricate. So the idea of getting him drunk, he's oblivious to what's going on. And oftentimes we set ourselves away from those things. That helps us. Any other comments on that? Yeah, please. She was like a living mezuzah and a model for the rest of us that have to guard our homes. Yes, she was. She was a living mezuzah. It's a very nice way to say it. Yeah, to protect your home. Now, see one other amazing thing here where it says number five on the left side of the page. And it's about her specifically going about this by uncovering her hair. So we saw that it drove the people away, but there's something else, there's further depth to it. So there on the side, number five, this is the Gidei Moshe, one of the commentaries on Midrash. Uh, it says, Chochmas Nashim Bansa Besa Zehu Ishto Shal On. The wisdom of women of women builds the house. This is the wife of On. Nearly, it appears to me, Shezehoya Hachachma. What was the wisdom here? Lefi de Isa Yerushalmi. It says in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Kesiv Kol Kavuda Basmelech Kanima. All the glory and the honor of the daughter of the king is inward. She clothes herself in settings of gold. So the Gemara there in the Talmud Yerushalmi darshans, what's this connection between her kavod being penima and mishpitzos zahav, settings of gold? What's the connection? Kol isha any woman who is modest, that's kavuda penima. Zachsa b'yatsa mimenu kohen gadol. She will be Zoha that a Kohen Gadol will come forth from her, who has settings on his clothing. He has mishpitzos on his clothing. 
So that's the connection between the two parts of that Pasuk. So what does she do? Vihi, Yashva Visasra Lamazya. She uncovers her hair. The Imkain and when she did this, Hitsila Labaala, that was another way of saving her husband. The Fisha Mikoach Zeh Bilti F Charlotte Says Mimena Kohen Because once she uncovers her her hair, and that's an act lacking Tsnius, now a Kohen Gadol will not come forth from her. So therefore, she's guaranteed that own Ben Pelis and her in their future progeny, they will not produce a Kohen Gadol. So now he's free from all sides. As she argued to him before, if Aaron's the Kohen, you're a Talmud. If Korach's the Kohen Gadol, you're a Talmud. Well, maybe you're going to be worried one of your kids should become a Kohen Gadol or your grandchildren, and maybe you're out for them. Well, they're not going to become one either, starting now. <coughs> so she relieves him from pressure from all sides to get involved in this argument, including her own progeny. That's tremendous Messiris Nefesh. Kain Nirali, so it appears to me. So why should you argue for nothing over the kahuna? It won't be you, and it won't be your children and your grandchildren. It's not happening to stay out of this argument. So the shame Shemayim, she uncovers her hair. It's like the concept of Avera Lishma, which only very, very great people know how to do. It's completely out of our reach to do that. But it's similar to what she does here. Another way of pottering him from pressure about the coming God. Any questions? Uh, yeah, Dory, please. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mephorshim say that the 250 great men had, more, had much more pure intent. And that's why there were chilukim in the way they died. With, they didn't get swallowed up by the earth. They got the katoris and then the flame swept them up, similar to Nod of Avihu. So they had a more L'shem Shemayim intention in them. They were really not out to rebel against the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu and Korach was, and Dustin and Aviram were. So if you take a look, I don't remember the Paratim, it's been a couple of years since I looked at it, but the Orachayim HaKadosh goes through a certain Seder where he describes what, where each of these categories were and who was less L'shem Shemayim and who was more L'shem Shemayim. And there were, there were Chilukim. It, it seemed, I don't want to say 100%, but a lot closer to the Shem Shemaim. The 250 Anashim were a lot closer to the Shem Shemaim. And they were yeah. still Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were not completely the Shem Shemaim, but they were much more so. Yeah, yeah rather than this. By definition, <coughs> if you say that it, it can't be when someone is after the wrong thing that they're completely the Shem Shemaim, by definition. If something, someone is after the wrong thing, that what? That you cannot say that they're completely L'shem Shemayim, or can you? No, if they're after the wrong thing, they can't be completely L'shem Shemayim. Something has to be wrong. Right. Something has to be wrong there. But they, but they can still have components of it. Yeah, sure, right? yeah. It's a very great, 
Yeah, everything that they said had nakudos of MS to it. Otherwise, there's no force in an argument. Everybody can just dismiss that, whatever it is. Uh, there's a story about the Baal Shem Tov. We'll close with this. I was visiting a certain city, and there was a, a very great Talmud Chacham. His name was Rav Chaim Tzanzer. It's not the same as the Divrei Chaim. It's a different person. And he was a misnaget, a very strong misnaget. And the story goes a few different ways, that he had gathered rocks uh, to throw at the Baal Shem Tov, or some say, you know, to throw near him, you know, but not at him. That's probably more accurate. And either he threw them like toward him, or he kept them in his pocket. Different versions of the story. And then, so they were at some point on the ground there. So later on, they saw the Baal Shem Tov picking up the stones, and he would kiss each stone as he picked it up. So they asked him, Rebbe, why are you doing that? He said these stones here were cast on the earth here, L'shem Shemayim. So therefore, I'm, I kissed them, I have Kedusha in them. They were, they were cast in, that dire- in my direction, L'shem Shemayim. <laughs> the great people who lived then remembered the stories and passed it down. It's always a good question. So there's a, a concept there that the Baal Shem Tov understood that, that a lot of the Misnagdim were L'shem Shemayim. Like they held something is wrong here. And it's going to take time to work this out, which it did. And then, of course, you had the rabble-rousers, the troublemakers just out to make machlokas, and you know, that, those kind of people, that's always, unfortunately, what happens. But amongst the greater people, he understood that for many of them, they were coming from an honest place, and he respected that, and he knew it was just a matter of teaching and continuing to educate, and then... We'll see what happens, and ultimately, you know, of course, the Hasidah made a tremendous imprint on, on Klai Yisrael, Ad Hayom Hazeh. So when it comes to great people and their machlokas, it's sometimes it's best to say, you know, we don't understand their machlokas. And when it comes to Korach, though, here, there was an, an element of rishus in Korach. It wasn't just a great person who made a mistake. Uh, there's something more than that with Korah, which we have to understand. That's the idea that he went on to Gehenim alive, and he's still saying, Moshe Emes, so Emes. There was some element of rishus with Korah, not just misguided. I think with the other people, kind of going along with what Dori asked, there's more a concept of being misguided, uh, cloudy judgment. But Korah had rishus in him, when, in, his re, in his out-and-out rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's why there's such a strong emphasis on the way he died to, to demonstrate that. Okay, it's been a great uh, semester, Bezras Hashem. I also enjoyed the whole year learning Midrash. It's been a, a great, uh, great limud. We're going to move on to something else in the fall. I'm not quite sure what yet, but you know, look for the announcement. And have a wonderful summer, a Gazit and Zimmer. L'chaim v'livracha lanu u'lachal Yisrael. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't get to say it while Sarah was here uh, and she had to leave early. That was Wish Mazel Tov to Sarah Bernard on the wedding of her daughter this past week. And they should be so good to build a bike.